today, let's look at what it would mean to be so free you no longer felt the need to lie. What would you need to know? What would you need to have happen? What would you need to be true so that you no longer felt the need to lie? So that you no longer felt the need to protect yourself with a lie? So that you no longer felt you had to impress people with a lie? So that you no longer felt like you had to dodge responsibility with a lie? So that you no longer have to keep covering up that thing you did that you still haven't told a soul about? So that you no longer have to rely on a false version of yourself. Let's explore together what this liberator God of Exodus means when he says, you shall not bear false witness. That's one translation of it. Uh, you shall not give false testimony is another one. But let's go with these words. You shall not bear false witness. I think they capture something here. And to structure our time together, I would love to just consider those three words with you. Bear, false, and witness. So first, what does it mean when God says, do not bear false witness. What does bear mean? Assuming we're not talking about that furry creature you don't want to meet on the trail. The Hebrew word here can also be translated as answer. Like, as in you answer a summons to come to court. Um, I had to recently be summoned for jury duty, and so I went to court and had to answer a set of questions about a case, uh, and I became a juror and was a part of that process of answering that call. And bear is what that word means. It's often in the court context, um, but bear is more broad than that. The freedom this command holds out to us, this invitation from the liberator God to be free from the need to lie, begins when we see the larger truth that all human speech, every human speech, is answering speech. Answering speech. God spoke to Adam before Adam ever spoke to Eve. Each of us are born speechless. We learn to speak as we are spoken to, do we not? Some of you have little kids, know what that's about. <laughs> we learn to speak as we are spoken to. We learn to speak by answering and responding to our caregivers. And as with all creation, our speech is a response to God. We are answering God. When we speak, we are always bearing witness to this fact. That's why this command has in view a broader situation than court cases, okay? This commandment prohibits things like betrayal, slander, the spreading of evil rumors. Even true words can destroy when spoken as gossip. And so, wisdom with our words is what this commandment is calling forth in us. That's why Proverbs, which is in the wisdom section of the Bible's library, has so much material on the wise use of the tongue. I'm going to give you a highlight reel, okay, from Proverbs. Here we go. Too much speech is dangerous, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 8. Uh, that reminds me of a situation recently I overheard. One mother said to her daughter, My dear, you have missed so many opportunities to say nothing. <laughs> have you wanted to say that to someone this week? <laughs> Timing makes all the difference between rotten words and verbal apples of gold, according to Proverbs 25, verse 11. Sweet speech is dangerously seductive, Proverbs 5, verse 3. Smooth speech enables the ambitious to steal hearts. And why is all this in the Bible? We're just getting a quick highlight reel about how we use language, about how we speak. Because, friends, the witness of Scripture is this. 
God is listening. God is listening. Every word we say is a response, an answer to the life-giving, liberator God who is inviting us, asking us, awaiting our answer to this question, do you want to be free with me? Do you want to be free with me? That's what our first word, bear, shows us. In all our speech, we are answering God, and his invitation to freedom is still standing right now. (laughs) There is an opportunity to know his freedom with every word we speak. Do you, do I, take him up on that invitation? As I've been reflecting on this, uh, and I've been reflecting on this for a little while now, it occurred to me we have a unique advantage, perhaps over any other moment in history. We live in a mediated age where we have this very godlike ability to pull up and look at and listen to our speech, do we not? For most of us, our posts from a lifetime of internet use are readily available. Our voicemails live on servers. We can play them back. We can evaluate and hear ourselves talk in an unprecedented way. And I went back and did this uh, even this past week and was looking at what I've said and how I sound. I listened to some voice texts I'd sent people. And what do I sound like? I'd encourage you to listen and reflect. What do you sound like? How, How do you communicate? How do you bear witness about other people and situations with this in mind? Your speech, your texts, your posts, your comments are an answer to God. This is what bear is showing us when God commands you shall not bear false witness. Now let's look at God's invitation to us in the words false and then witness, okay? You with me? Yes, sweet. Okay, so false. You shall not bear false witness. While there are many ways to lie, we're good at figuring out new ones all the time, um, you can boil most of them down to two categories. Let's go with that. Um, the first is fairly obvious. It's, it's when you misrepresent reality. You say something that's just not true. It's false. The second, maybe less easy to name, but it's very familiar to us. It's when you withhold truth. It's when you withhold truth. Many of us withhold truth because, well, we don't want to start a conflict or upset anybody. We want to be nice. But sometimes telling the truth isn't always nice, even if it's loving. Truthful correction is an expression of love, actually, not hate. A writer named Peter Lightheart, who has given us a really big gift in this like, very thin but helpful book on the Ten Commandments, Peter Lightheart writes this, if you tell the truth, you'll create conflict, and then you are called to be a peacemaker. But true peace can only be won if the truth shatters the false peace of a lie. Here we stumble onto the flip side of today's social disorder, he writes. While we gleefully spread gossip on social media, we tiptoe gingerly around the truth. We say we're tolerant and want to avoid triggering, but we're cowards. And we end up hateful cowards at that, because if we're forbidden to name the problems, we cannot propose the solutions. Uh, Another way to say this, let's go with Ted Lasso's therapist. The truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. If you're familiar with Ted Lasso, (laughs) that is a golden apple from that show. Uh, This year, uh, in honor of my daughter's birthday, I want to have one more way to explain what's going on here. Uh, We introduced her to the movie Frozen, okay? And I think my favorite scene in the movie is when Olaf, the snowman, sings a song imagining how great things will be in summer. You guys know this scene, those of you who've seen Frozen. Okay, great. Here's some of the lyrics. I'm going to give you 
some of the lyrics. Bees a buzzing, kids blowing dandelion fuzz, and we'll be doing whatever snow does in summer. A drink in my hand, my snow up against the burning sand, probably getting gorgeously tanned in summer. <laughs> I'll finally see a summer breeze blow away a winter storm and find out what happens to solid water when it gets warm. And I can't just wait to see what my buddies will think of me. Just imagine how cooler I'll be in summer. <laughs> and he just goes on singing like this while his supposed friends, Anna and Kristoff, who know better, decide to withhold the truth and let this singing snowman continue in his delusion about summer. <laughs> it's funny, right? When it's about like a fictitious snowman becoming a summer puddle. But it's, it's way, way more complicated and less funny when we start to realize that we allow falsehood and neglect in telling the truth to a friend whose relationship with alcohol is killing them. Or when we shy away from bringing up with him that his sexual habits are not ultimately what define who he is. We shy away. Well, because truths speak like that might be too awkward. Or maybe we don't actually have significant relationships in our lives that can be a bridge to hold that kind of a truthful speech. Whatever it is, why? Why don't we have that? We need this. We need friends. We need people in our lives who will speak the truth to us and not withhold. Now, I want to zoom out. Think about this more broadly than our interpersonal relationships for a second. Think for a second about our country's historic relationship with truth and falsehood. There are perhaps few as insightful about America's habit of bearing false witness than James Baldwin the civil rights era thinker and writer, and he names that America has a well-cultivated habit, and I quote, of dehumanizing at close range. So many lies and habits of perception have been cultivated in our country, he says, to avoid the proximate fact of humanity in a different skin color. Americans have had to withhold the truth that people of color, men and women, are made in God's image in order to realize the American dream, he writes. And having honed this craft of falsehood, of withholding the truth, we turn people into things. We're good at this, and we get better at it as time goes on. American business, for instance, much like the Egyptian empire with the Israelites, went on to withhold truth from wave after wave of immigrants, people, and their cultures simply became labor force, <laughs> you know? labor market, cogs in a machine, no longer a person or a people. And I think to this day, that's why so many of us in industrialized countries especially feel the need, the deep need for recognition. Each of us deeply craves to be seen for who we are, not objectified into something false, but truly seen. Another word for this is witness. We long to be truthfully witness to who we are. And as with all the other commands, this ninth commandment, that you shall not bear witness, ultimately leads us to Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, the true and faithful witness. In our struggle to live freely from telling lies, in a world with so much false witness around us, we have a true and faithful witness in Jesus Christ. He has come as one of us and made himself familiar with what it means to be falsely accused, betrayed, told he was someone that he was not, 
doubted, hated, gossiped about, and more than canceled, y'all. The cross is being way more than canceled, as painful as that it can be for us. So that, in every moment, you and I would know that we have a witness. A witness to our pain, but more than that, a witness to our glory. The glory of the world as it will be. The glory of you and me as we will be. Jesus sees this in us as an attentive witness. Um, if you're familiar with uh, the artist Mako Fujimara, he makes some really cool uh, modern art paintings. Uh, and as he was discovering that he was an artist, it was kind of the beginning of this career for him, what would go on to be a very impressive career. And he was coming into who he truly was and his talents in this way. And he tells this story about his father. And his father was a scientist, okay? Uh, engaged in a drastically different field than art, right? And this is what he says about his father. I, I love this. This is beautiful. My father would sit in front of my paintings for hours, literally hours. You could tell the engagement he had was one of deep discernment and joy. And there is nothing like that to have that support, he says. Friends, do you understand that God looks upon your life with deep discernment and joy. God looks upon your life like this father with deep discernment and joy. In Jesus, you have a true and a faithful witness. He is the truth. And only such an encounter with the person, the truth of Jesus Christ, will set you free from all the falsehood that comes at you in life from all the false witness that you have spun about other people because you feel you have to. Encounter the person of Jesus Christ and what happens. Do you know the verse? You find the truth and the truth will set you free. You become freed. You become freed to be a truthful witness, friends. A truthful witness in this world that, that needs some truthful witnessing, does it not? The church needs to be and needs to become an encounter with the person of Christ to be freed to be a truthful witness in this world. Because Jesus did not leave behind a book. Do you know what he left behind? Witnesses. Witnesses to who he was. He didn't drop a book down from heaven and say, sweet, done. He left a group of people who bore witness to his life and now are bearing witness in other people's lives. You and I are invited to know the truth in relationship with God. And the truth sets you free. Free from the need to bear false witness because we have a true and faithful witness in Jesus Christ. Friends, we could, we could end here, say amen, and move on. If you're with me, though, I would love to go through and walk this out just a little bit. Is that, are we okay with going a little bit longer to walk this out practically? Okay. All right. So practically for a second, how does this transform, for instance, prayer for us? A story from the life of Mother Teresa, I think, helps us imagine an interviewer once asked her, what do you say when you pray? And she said, I listen. <laughs> the reporter paused her own and was like, uh, okay, so then what does God say? And she replied, he listens. It's hard to imagine a more succinct way to get at the intimacy of prayer, or at least what it could be for us. This mutual listening, this mutual bearing witness. What if we came more to God ready to listen than to list. 
What if we came more to God, ready to witness his glory and allow him to know us in ways that maybe we would hide if we came with a list, but really to be known by God in prayer? What if that were more of our prayer life? What if we are more aware of the way God witnesses us, therefore, in daily life? What might change about the way we use our words at work, at home, behind closed doors, in a Slack channel, in an email? (laughs) How might the fruit of the Spirit pop up in our lives, in our jobs, in our relationships, if we are more aware and more practiced in this pattern of listening to God and feeling heard and seen by Him? Witness. One more story from Maga Fujimara's life, and I think this really gets at where we as the church can go with this, okay? Maga Fujimara tells the story of his wife leaving him, and there's this, just this deep experience of abandonment for him that he articulates that came with that, and it's this dark period of life that he was in, and he, in that time, came more closely in contact with the story of kintsugi. It's an art form. He says he was pulled out of himself by this practice of kintsugi, which is mending broken ceramics by applying this Japanese makan gold to the cracks where the vessel had been broken, and in turn, forming this bond and this kind of new piece that is really beautiful. And and so get this, he was making these beautiful designs within the fractures, within the breaking points, highlighting the fractures, beautifying them rather than hiding them. Kintsugi describes, I think, what it means to bear truthful witness in this world. It is a way of not hiding our brokenness, but saying we all are broken. Bearing false witness is saying, no, you are broken. I'm good. No, you are broken. (laughs) Do you see the difference? Saying we are broken versus you are broken. We are currently in a fractured moment as a country. There is a lot of saying, no, you are broken. And it may be a long time before we realize just how fractured we truly are as a people. And speaking specifically to Christians, how truly fractured we are as a church. Hold the fracture, friends. Bear witness. We are broken. And what if by facing that very brokenness in us and noticing it in each other, rather than lying about it or withholding the truth about it, we might discover the way of Jesus the way out of any situation as we follow the truth himself toward freedom. I wonder what space might be created to have substantive conversations, to better understand various perspectives. What if curiosity became a form of compassion that we extended to one another because we're all broken? It's not just you. False witness and lies grow in soils where curiosity is depleted. And curiosity is replenished when we realize God himself is curious about us. He has that that disposition of the Father that looks upon our lives with deep discernment and joy. Even at the crack parts. And sees beautiful, life-giving, freeing ways forward for each of us. Friends, may you know the truth. For the truth will set you free. Now, feel free to respond to this part with amen, okay? Can I get a witness? (laughs) All right, cool. Thanks, (laughs) y'all.